You're listening to the Red Moon Radio Podcast, episode number 14. Today, we're talking to Sam Agostino of Melbourne, Australia's Brat Farrar. Red Moon Radio is a weekly podcast dedicated to garage, psychedelic, fuzz and lo-fi, as well as good old-fashioned rock and roll from around the world. We bring you the best new music and interviews, introducing you to your new favorite band. The show is produced every Monday and is available on Podomatic at redmoonradio.podomatic.com and on Stitcher at stitcher.com slash red-moon-radio. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes by searching for Red Moon Radio. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Red Moon Radio 1, on Facebook at facebook.com slash redmoonradio. Get in touch with us by email at redmoonradio2015 at gmail.com and watch for us along with the other music junkies on the website 53rdand3rd.com. Links to the bands and extras are available in the show notes on our Podomatic and Stitcher pages, as well as on 53rdand3rd.com. Come back often and add us to your favorites. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, Erin here. Welcome to the Red Moon Radio podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and checking us out this week. I'm really glad to have you. My interview with Sam is coming right up. While I have you captive, don't forget that all of our previous episodes of the podcast are available for your listening pleasure on Podomatic, Stitcher, and through iTunes. You can also check back as the episodes are updated on 53rdand3rd.com, all with additional content. In today's episode, we're speaking with Sam Agostino, the musical talent behind the project Brat Farrar. To start off the show, here's a track from his latest release, a 7-inch called Being With You That Night which was released in January through Hound God Records. The song is the electropunk B-side, which is sure to get stuck in your head, Feel This Way. Yeah. 
Today's guest, Sam Agostino, is the talent behind Melbourne, Australia's electro-punk garage DIY project, Brat Ferrar. Sam has been recording with a variety of projects for more than a decade, including his garage duo Digger and the Pussycats. In Brat Ferrar, Sam combines his garage and punk influences with his love of synth and electro, creating a vintage yet wholly unique sound that shifts effortlessly between influences and styles. And Sam has been prolific. A quick search for Brat Ferrar on Bandcamp finds 11 releases, including singles, 7 inches, and LPs, released by no less than 5 record labels from around the world. This guy is definitely on to something. I had a chance to catch up with Sam via Skype from Melbourne early last week. Hey Sam. Hi. Welcome to the Red Moon Radio podcast. I'm super glad to have you. Thanks. Brat Ferrar, why don't you tell me about yourself and your music? Well, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, and um, I guess the music I play is is sort of garage punk is probably the best way to describe it, but I've got a bit of a fascination with keyboards and synths, so I'm kind of um, also influenced by, you know, dark wave and cold wave stuff and some drum machine stuff, but I guess at the, at the core of it, it all comes back to, um, you know, the kind of standard garage punk stuff that we all listen to and love. Um, so somewhere in, a, in that mash my sound lies and so what instruments do you play tell us about brat ferrar well look i guess um guitar is, is my main instrument but you know the brat ferrar recording setup is you know all home studio based it's i use a lot of drum machines and then bass guitar and keyboard and, and singing and then just you know bang pots and pans and whatever else i can find around the house to to make the sound i want um and then i have a live band which is you know just drums, bass, guitar and synth and that's that's far more um, sort of garagey and, and rock and roll. Do you have a set group of people that you play with or is this rotating? <laughs> um, I'd like to say it's a set lineup but um but we have rotated around quite a bit. So at the moment, actually uh, the guy that was playing bass Mark from Roster Shane Hurricanes, he's just moved to Sydney. So, which is about a thousand kilometers away. So now we've got a new bass player, and um, he's been in the band just for one one show. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a rotating cast of when people are available. You know, the Melbourne music scene is is huge. So, people kind of are free for a while, and then their project gets busy, and then they drop out. And yeah, so I've just sort of been um, floating around and playing with a heap of different people. Which has been really cool. It's um, you know I've come from a set band setup, which is you know the same three people in the band for six years, and then you change to this setup, which is you know like maybe in two months it'll be a different lineup. It's kind of exciting. It's weird and it's kind of exciting. Tell us a little bit about some of your previous musical experiences. I guess um, the band I, I've played in the most, I've played the most shows with, is Digger and the Pussycats. Um, and that's sort of a two-piece garage band. And we started maybe around 2002, 2003. And our mentality was just play, play, play. So we, we did a lot of, lot of touring. We played a lot in Europe, toured in the States and played Ghana Fest and the sort of garage festivals and things like that. And that's been pretty exciting. And that's still going at the moment, but it's a bit quieter now. And we just play occasionally. And then I've played in other things like the Russian Roulettes, which was sort of like a I want to say retro rock. It was kind of like a garage sort of 60s wannabe band. And we did a lot of touring as well. And Pistons Misfire, a kind of noise band. So, yeah, I've done played in quite, and the Kamikaze Trio, which is another band. We did a lot of touring and played a lot in Europe as well. So, yeah, I've played in lots of bands over the years. Um, and I, I really like it. You know, Melbourne's such a, a huge city for bands that, you can play in three or four bands and you can play, you know, two gigs every week and it's fine. No one really, no, no one minds, you know, it's not, it's not sort of frowned upon. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really, it's really exciting.
taboo. If you wanna get to heaven, you better be real good. Hell is my fault along the way. about what was the impetus behind that project i guess um after in maybe 2008 we decided with digger and the pussycats that we were going to buy all of our own studio equipment and not work in a in a studio not i don't know what studios are like in in other parts of the world but in melbourne they're just ridiculously expensive um and so we just thought we would you know buy all our own equipment and and just record at home and that just sort of planted the seed of of just trying to do a few songs um, by myself, um, and just was just experimenting with drum machines, and it was all really new. Like it was it was really really new. Like I wasn't a computer person. I didn't think of like sitting in front of a computer to make music was sounded like a pleasurable experience. But yeah, I I, I sort of fell in love with it and you know I recorded three songs and Peter from P-Trash in Germany 
he was really tentative, but he said, look, I'll do like 200 copies of the single. And then, you know, they they sold out really quickly in a few weeks. And then he repressed. And, and I thought maybe there's some interest in making a bit more music. So I just, yeah, just kept going. And after the first single uh, was, was released, I had some offers from other European labels to do more singles and releases and did an album and then a, a really long tour in Europe. Um, I think I did maybe 90 or 95 shows. Wow. And um, and that was good. It was just sort of a, the rolling, kind of rolling along tour of like starting and then doing, I think, 50 shows and then doing, you know, getting offered some more and then having a break and doing some more. So that was really cool. So that was really good. And yeah, so that kind of sort of, you know, laid the groundwork for everything that's come come after that, which has been great. So 90 shows, how long were you touring Europe? Uh, I think I was out of Australia for about 11 months. So yeah, just, just spent some time freewheeling about a little bit. And yeah, it was great. It was really good. But, um, you know, Australian bands going on tour, I mean, it's not worth leaving home for less than 30 shows. I suppose not. Yeah. So, you know, 30 shows is kind of average. And then, yeah, so I've done, I've done like a few of those, you know, 90 100 show tours before you know but it's lots of fun and it's the thing you enjoy doing so it's it's great tell me a little bit about the inspiration for the name of your project <laughs> uh, look i was really struggling with the name i was really really struggling and you know the songs w- were done and people were sort of suggesting names and i went to this charity shop and was looking through the five cent books and the brett farrow book just sort of popped out and I just picked up the book and thought this is a good name decided there and then like I'm going to name my project Brat Farah read the book the book was terrible but I was sold <laughs> sold on the name so I just I just had to go with it it was one of those ones that has like a really great cartoon style front cover and I think that's what really sucked me in but it's also a story about a character whose name is Brat Farah who impersonates somebody else to win their inheritance. And so, you know, if you're doing a project and it's just you and you're not going to be using your own name, then you kind of are impersonating yourself. So I kind of sort of thought there was some um, connection with the the story and and the idea of it all. Yeah, there's a little bit of a metaphor going on there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You've been in all these different bands and there seems to be some kind of underlying undercurrents in the kind of music that you choose. So why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your personal musical influences? Mm, Yeah, well, I mean, I have a really vast set of influences Look, I guess I guess the first place I should really start is at home and talk about being really influenced by the music in Melbourne. And I guess, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be pretty aware of a lot of the garage bands that have been coming out of Melbourne for, say, the last seven or eight years. And a lot of those bands are now on, you know, US labels like Ghana. Um, so everybody's quite familiar with Eddie Current's Oppression Ring and Total Control and, and Oz Mutants. But before all of that, there was just probably as big a wave of Melbourne bands playing around town, people like Bored, and I've also chosen a track today that I'm hoping you'll play by Tiger by the Tail. Legends, like I could sit here and reel off band names all day, Spencer Jones, Kim Salmon and the Beasts of Bourbon, all of this sort of, you know, it was alternative or independent music. It wasn't played on the radio. It was in pubs. You know, in a lot of parts of the world, I guess an underground scene is kind of, you know, warehouse scene or, but in Melbourne, it's kind of like it happens in bars and the bars here are really open to, to music and bands and treat the bands really well. So when I first started playing around town, um, there was all of these bands and all of this great music. They didn't have records. And if they had records, you just bought them at the shows. Nobody really knew them outside of Melbourne. And a lot of the bands didn't tour outside of Melbourne because, you know, the next closest city is 800 kilometers away. And so, um, all of these bands, there's something really strange about Australian bands in that they're a bit rawer edged. So if you have um, like a power pop band from Australia, they'll be a bit rougher than a power pop band from anywhere else. And that's because, you know, they're kind of playing in a pub and a pub's loud and noisy. And, and I guess that's kind of translated a lot into my music. Like I sort of think about it as being a bit, you know, synthy at times and a bit lame But then, you know, it has this weird sort of sinister grit about it i guess and that's really influenced by melbourne the sinister grit of melbourne <laughs> yeah yeah that that thing of you're in a bar and everybody's drunk and maybe a bottle's going to come like you know, floating straight into your your head so you've got to sort of be careful and a bit you know cautious 
I make it sound really rough and tough, but it's not like that. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> you mentioned Tiger by the Tail. Yeah. Uh, you picked a couple of other songs. Why don't you tell us about the songs that you chose? I also chose the B-52s, Give Me Back My Man. Oh, I mean, the B-52s, they're one of those bands that everybody knows the name, but they're, they're so unique and they have their own sound and their own feeling and, and vibe. And um, there's just something about them that, especially Ricky Wilson's guitar playing, it's it's just so him. It, he doesn't. They don't sound like anybody else. I can't think of any other band that that sounded like them before them, and I can't think of anybody that's impersonated them after them that sounded as good as them. And so they're you know a huge influence of just being unique and kind of um just and great pop songs. You know they're just great catchy catchy pop songs. Gun Club had to you know had to play the Gun Club, and I've just recently recorded a cover of Sex Beat, which I've chosen today. I mean, the Gun Club for me, that's like ground ground zero. You know, that's like if you want to get into a band and play sort of rock and roll, then you got to listen to the, you know, the Stones and the Gun Club. And, oh, Chrome. I mean, I'm just obsessed with, with Chrome. And it just, it's again, it's that left of center sort of science fiction mysterious, there's sort of a mysterious element about the band. And, and even though like a lot of their music's now starting to float up to the surface on the internet, there's still something kind of mysterious and strange and experimental about them. And, you know, they're sort of, it sort of always sounds like they're trying to find something and sometimes they find it. And sometimes there's this searching element in their music, which I just, I just love, you know, it just keeps me, you know, going back for more and more and more. And they're a real current favorite at the moment.
Debbie's got a light on her lips. Jake's got a monkey shine on his head, and Debra Ann's got a tiger in her hips. They can twist and turn, they can move and burn, they can throw themselves against the wall. But they creep for what they need, and they explode to the car, and then they move.
So you've recorded a crazy amount of music in the last couple of years, just as Brett Ferrar. Yep. Your most recent was really it was a seven inch released earlier this year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So that was the being with you that night, seven inch. Yep. So that came out on a. I'm starting to lose track of some of these. Um, that came out on a German label, um, Hound God Records. I recorded that that quite a while ago, actually, and and Oliver. A lot, because I deal with a lot of independent labels, they pretty much always say the same thing to me, which is I'm really keen to do it and I'll do it when my last release sells some copies. So, and, and I love that kind of attitude and it just seems so honest and, and great to work with. So yeah, like we, I maybe sent him the tracks 18 months ago and I thought, oh, it's never going to come out. It's never going to come out. And then, yeah, it just kind of appeared and, um, and I was really happy. So that was cool. And I've got another seven inch that's sort of, in the Pipeworks from Yeah Right Records, who are a Canadian label. And that I think that's going to be out in the next maybe two months. The test pressings are all done, so hopefully that'll be out really soon. And I've got another record that I'm ready to, to go on at the moment. So, yeah, hopefully a third record out by the end of the year. full-length albums already that's right and i guess the last one was from 2014 so it's been a while you're due for another one <laughs> yeah yeah and i've got this other i've got a few other projects that i'm kind of working on so i've been working on some soundtrack stuff and then i have about 90 finished but unreleased tracks but i don't really know what to do with them so <laughs> oh i'm just goodness. kind of sitting on them at the moment I think I'm hoping that some of them will will improve just by sitting on my computer, but they're not. So, um, so some of them will probably have to go into some sort of magical delete folder or something. But there's enough there to to maybe put together a different type of release. And so, yeah, I guess I want to maybe with that experiment with with something else. I've never I've never pretty much everything I do try to get it out on vinyl. So I need to maybe try to get a bit more with the times and just do something like a, just a digital release. but I don't know, vinyl or like cassette seems to be the wave of yesterday's future. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, cassettes. Yeah, and, um, both of my albums came out on cassette. So, oh, yeah, they're, they're great. 
I had been um, accumulating this amazing cassette collection, actually, because I'm a bit of a you know record hoarder, like a lot of people. And um, and then I got to this point where I thought, oh look, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell my tape collection. Don't know who will want it. And then I found a collector who was so excited by it, and I couldn't believe that it was going to go to a new home. And this person was just overwhelmed. And I had a lot of Australian and New Zealand punk things that had come out on on cassette, and some of them, you know, had never been released anywhere else. So yeah, cassettes are beautiful, and you know, it's great that people are sort of recognising them again as being lots of fun. So you were mentioning that you're starting to lose track of all these labels, and you have released on like so many different labels. It is hard to keep track of. Can you rattle off a few of them and give some, them some shout-outs? Sure. Um, I guess in Australia, I do most of my things now through through Off The Hip Records. And Mick, he just has a really great little store in the city and he just does stuff on CD. And he's a real champion of the scene and, and he does a lot of releases. He's, he does maybe one or two CDs every month. And he's really been great at, I guess... I guess capturing a lot of the things around the edges of the Melbourne music scene that I guess things that that people have a lot of respect for and are considered quality, but maybe they don't have, you know, the largest following, you know, the sort of bands that you go to their show and there's 30 people in the crowd and every one of those people plays in a band. He's really good at, you know, capturing a lot of those acts. So so he's great. And then in Europe, I do a lot of stuff with, with P-Trash. I've known Peter for a long time. It's Peter's, you know... I guess when you play music, you have, you know, some of those people who really help you and really support you. And he's that, he's kind of that person for me. And he's pretty much released every band I've been in. He's pretty much put out at least one release. So, um, I'm really grateful for Peter and his label is just, you know, becoming a real mainstay of European, of the European garage scene. And then after that, a lot, lots of small labels like Stencil Trash and Holmes label, which his name I cannot pronounce. It's a German label. Like to to mulsahul sahul. Um, I'm so, I really should know how to how to say that. And and bit of crop records. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I've missed maybe one or two. And then Digger and the Pussycats also had the same sort of situation with lots of lots of labels doing doing stuff. So it's always really fun working with different different people and getting different people's take on it. And yeah, especially I guess. Because, you know, my music making situation is not so much a, you know, a band where I'm, I'm collaborating with people. I guess I do work a lot with these label folks to, you know, just work through stuff and, you know, use them as a bit of a sounding board for what's good and, and, and what's going to work. So it's a really different relationship to, you know, I just started, you know, in a pub playing in a band and now I feel like I'm in, on a computer and I'm doing an interview with you on a computer. You know, it's the world really changed like I've you know it's been really it's a huge huge change of mentality it's true it has shifted so much you talked a little bit about your recording process can you tell us a little bit about your writing process yeah usually I guess um for me I'm always trying to I guess distill like what what is the essence of of the song just trying to find that hook and write 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 just that core whatever two to five seconds that is really the thing that the listener will walk away from and take with them it's really weird i studied um i studied classical music composition and you know you go through and you learn all of these crazy techniques for orchestration and 12 tone noise and all of this other stuff and i I finished this you know quite long degree and then just went all i really want to do is just write these little pop songs you know with just a hook like that's really all I'm interested in after looking at all of this <laughs> stuff I really just you know, just love this kind of really basic form so yeah I guess I just I guess I I try to find that hook and then from there you know pat pat around it as far as like a lot of the lyric content I guess at the moment I've been really just trying to write for the next record a group of songs that really sit together and and they're really all about, you know, the interactions of relationships. So, yeah, you know, like how, how people interact and miscommunication and, you know, how people feel when, you know, communication is poor. And that's kind of been really the big thing I've been sort of thinking about a lot for the next record. So and then as far as like doing it in the studio, it always I always have this, just the same process every time, which is start with just the basic drum track and guide vocal and guitar and build a demo. 
and then it's like I'm coloring in on top of the demo. The demo is kind of like the the drawing and then or the sketch and then I just, you know, color in on top of that until um until I'm kind of happy with the picture. Or I abandon it one of the two. You talked a little bit about your cassette collection and you're a big collector. What is your preference for listening to music? What do you listen to most of your music on? <laughs> this is going to sound um pretty lame after saying that I'm a big collector, but um I spend a lot of most of my time listening to the community radio here in Melbourne. It's it's really good. There's two really good stations and they champion a lot of the local bands and they play like a wide variety of, of music from, from all over the world. But I do spend, you know, if I'm going, you know, getting somewhere in the car, I'll, I'll listen to, to um, PBS or Triple R and they, you know, that t- that's like probably half of my listening. And then, you know, um, I guess, look, a lot of, if I've got it on vinyl, I'll listen to it on vinyl. So, um, and I've got it, I like jazz as well. So I listen to a bit of jazz at home and then lots of rock and roll records. And, you know, the new, the sort of garage guitar bands that have been coming out in the last 10 years, you know, some of them are my all time favorites, like Hex Dispensers and Spits and Raining Sound. You know, they're just on repeat. Jay Retard, Black Lips, you know, they're on repeat at my house pretty often. I spent 15 years on community radio, so uh, shout out to community radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know in, in other parts of the world, but in Melbourne, it, it's it's getting stronger. And it's weird, it seems like, because there's so much more music online and so much more music available. And then I'm sure, like, you interview a lot of people who are in the same boat as me. They've got their own recording set up, so they're able to pump out music all the time. Community radio works as a, a filter to sort of just present, you know, it just break, breaks it down. And if you're listening to a genre specific show, it's awesome. You can really hear the, the strongest releases for the, you know, the week or the month. And I think people really appreciate that so much content. So yeah, it's, it's great. Well, I feel like I could keep talking to you all day, but this interview has to come to an end at some point. Yeah. Thanks for making time to speak with me. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great. I hope that when you have a new album, we can get you back on the show. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. Me too. Okay. So before you go, how can people connect with you and your music? Okay. I have, um, I have, you know, the usual social media pages. So I have a Facebook page, um, Brat Farrow Music page. I also have a Twitter account, which um, you can get me on. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to understand Twitter. You can't seem to say anything too important on Twitter. No, but... sadly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm also still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to work out how it fits into my life, but um, but <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll get there. And all of my music's available on Bandcamp, bratfarrow.bandcamp.com, and you can download pretty much all of it for free. And if you want to buy a record, I'll send it to you in the post anywhere in the world right on well sam this has been great thank you so much thank you we'll talk again soon talk soon all right take care thank you thanks bye bye thanks again to sam for taking time to speak to red moon radio last week it was such an easy conversation and could have gone on and on i hope we'll have a chance to chat again soon perhaps when the next brat ferrar album is released During the interview, we heard a couple of songs from one of Sam's previous bands, Digger and the Pussycats. From their 2003 debut album, Young, Tight, and All Right, we heard Ten Car Pileup. And from their 2009 release on P Trash Records, we heard Spanish Jacket. Also in there, we heard from some other bands that were chosen by Sam, starting with the song Get Set to Go from Tiger by the Tail. We also heard the B-52s with Give Me Back My Man, Sex Beat by The Gun Club, which Sam has recorded a cover of, and Eyes on Mars by Chrome. And as a special treat, Sam provided us with a new release from Brat Farrar called Nearly Always on My Mind, which will be released on 7-inch through Yowright Records in the next few months. Let's continue with more from Brat Farrar. From the debut album Brat Farrar, released in 2012, here are Punk Records and So Overwhelming. And from Brat Farrar 2, released in 2014, Do you really want to know? And closing in. Thank you. 
And so another episode of the Red Moon Radio podcast has come and gone. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. Thanks again so much to Sam of Brat Farrar for taking time to talk, and of course, thanks to you for tuning in. To end, here are a couple more tracks from Brat Farrar's second album, I'm Dead Now and Wouldn't Give You Up. Until next week. <laughs>